Good afternoon and welcome to Securing the Network Connected Devices Fueling Your Digital Transformation, a health system CIO Media Inc. production sponsored by Forescout. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the editor-in-chief of Health System CIO, and I'll be your moderator today. We're looking forward to your participation. You can send in your questions or comments at any time in the Q&A box, and we'll take them later in the program. Nice way to view the screen. Click in the top center, get it in side-by-side -side mode. Then you can adjust the divider to get the slides in the video boxes the size you want them, and it should say speaker view in the top right-hand corner. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time today, we're going to go about 35 to 40 minutes with our main panel discussion featuring Stephen Dunkel, CISO with the Geisinger Health System, John Jeffries, CISO with UT Medical Center, and Tamar Baker, VP of Global Healthcare with Forescout Technologies. So let's jump right in. We've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Steve, let's start off with you. Can you give us an overview of your organization and your role? Sure, I'm Steve Dunkel, uh, Chief Information Security Officer with Geisinger. Geisinger is located in central Pennsylvania uh, with 12 hospital systems. In addition, we have a health plan, school of medicine, uh, research arm, and we also have a uh, what's known as KeyHi, which is a health information exchange, uh, as well as a life flight unit. I think we have nine helicopters at this time and a workforce of about 30,000. Uh, Geisinger has, places a pri priority on innovation and uh, patient care. Very good, Steve, thank you. John? Uh, good afternoon, everyone. My name is John Jeffries. I'm the Information Security Director for University of Tennessee Medical Center. We have a, a hospital that has 685 beds located in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're a magnet certified and uh, the only level one trauma center in our area. Uh, we specialize in regional transplant, comprehensive stroke, and cardiac center. We have seven centers of excellence, and we support 21 counties in East Tennessee. Very good, John. Thank you. Tamar? Everybody, thanks for joining us today. I'm Tamar here at Forescout. Uh, Forescout is really a, a cybersecurity company that helps protect these organizations like Steve and John's that, that we're just discussing today. Uh, what we do is we provide a complete discovery of all assets, both in the IT as well as the IOMT and everything in between, the IO, IoT, OT, and all those other devices on the network. Um, not only are we discovering them all, but we help our customers do an assessment of all of these devices, including the unagentable headless types of devices, and help govern your network by controlling everything that's going on on the network so that we make things actionable. We actually can actually uh, communicate with all the network infrastructure as well as all the devices to to really help secure and, and, um, and automate a lot of the processes that are involved with security here in these organizations. Very good. All right, let's jump right into it. John, let's start with you. Describe the proliferation of IOMT devices and health systems and how it has impacted security. Well, for us, the uh, challenge has been getting an accurate inventory across the hospital of devices that we're trying to manage. And uh, so with that inventory, sometimes you have to, uh, you know, worry about the patching and uh, so many devices are smart IoT and they need to connect to the, uh, our, our service. And so, you know, there's, you know, several vendors that provide insight into that area. 
um, one of the things that we did was change the way we purchase uh, our our services and our uh, solutions that get brought into the hospital. And we worked with our uh, purchasing department. And now we get involved from an IT and IT security perspective from the beginning and vet these services to make sure that they are uh, meet our minimum requirements. Okay, very good. Uh, Temer? Yeah, so as a vendor, um, you know, that's one of the things that we specialize in is just ensuring that with this proliferation that we've un uncovered and discovered over the last few years, that's actually what's fueled a lot of our growth is the majority of these networks now are, are those smart devices that are not manageable. So in a typical hospital system, only 30% of things that show up online or less even in some cases can be agentable, manageable by traditional IT security means. So that's been a big challenge that we've seen a lot of people struggle with uh, that we can help you know, with these challenges back by understanding everything that's connected. Uh, one of the big things that I'll say a takeaway with the discovery and understanding that asset inventory that Forescout specifically does is we have two dozen methods that we use to help discover everything and assess everything that's on the network versus relying on only one or two methods of discovery or uh, assessment. So that way it's very comprehensive without the blind spots. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the blind spots, Timur. So you're talking about making sure you've got two dozen methods to make sure you discover everything on the network. Um, are you saying that in general, that there's a lower percentage than a hundred percent that people are finding and you get it much closer to a hundred? Is, is that it? It's, it's percentages. If you only use a few methods, you maybe get to 80%, but you really need to be closer to a hundred. What is, what is the thinking there? Yeah, the, the reason why there are the blind spots today in most of these organizations is because if you're leveraging on an, an agent-based solution, there's going to be blind spots there because they can't communicate everywhere. Agents go bump in the night and die for whatever reason. If you're leveraging a scanning solution, you can't scan all of your network. Some is too sensitive to scan. Your, your network's very transient now, especially during the pandemic, so you're going to have blind spots there. If you're leveraging something like span traffic only, well, you can't always span the entire network of every device and every flow com communicating to and from. So you're going to have a lot of trouble and blind spots there as well. So we do all of those as well as many, many other methods, because what we found is when we go into these organizations in our typical customer base, it's about 30% more devices that we discover than they imagined that they would have in a health system space that percentage is almost 50% on average more than what we what they thought they had on the network. So it's it's a it's not just a small gap in what you think you have versus what we've discovered. It's a fairly significant gap. Wow. Um Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, the, truly there are some amazing things that are being done with these type of devices and I I mean I'm awestruck by uh, some of the capabilities, both from a uh, service provider, meaning healthcare, but also as a patient. And when we look at uh, the, with COVID certainly brought this on, but I think we were headed that way anyway, with the more and more telehealth and working with patients, these devices add a lot more information and capabilities for the provider when they're talking with a patient. Uh, obviously, 
I don't worry about it quite as much if it's not network connected. But we all know the world has changed and it's, it's uh, these devices can be uh, connected a multitude of different ways, including uh, the, the cellular connection. And so it does open the door from a security perspective. And I fully agree with John and, and tomorrow, um, the uh, point about device asset management and keeping track of all these, which is a monumental task if you have a large number of them, some of which may be actually patient owned, but they still uh, connect into uh, the healthcare system. Uh, so kind of in conclusion on this, my I've landed at the spot that we've always been a believer in security and depth. But I think in this world, security and depth is absolutely critical because there is not one single solution or even a couple that's the silver bullet, so to speak. And so looking at the network layer with tools and technologies and then fundamental uh, discipline and from an IT perspective, the concept of change management and patch management, all of these things have to fit together to adequately protect these devices. And it, it is in today's world, a very ongoing and uh, strenuous task. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. John, you want to talk a little bit about that concept of blind spots you mentioned, and we'll get into this a little more later, the idea of centralizing purchasing to make sure things aren't bought uh, at a departmental level and they don't sort of sneak in and become a blind spot. But what are you, any more thoughts around that, that concept of blind spots? Well, that's not 100% uh, a cure-all because sometimes we've discovered that we've had vendors come in and put uh, devices on our uh, you know, unsecure network. And so um, that way it's not, it's not on our secure network. And so we really don't know these devices are on there and they're possibly trans transmitting PHI you know, to uh, other locations. And so we have to, uh, you know, be very, very careful with that. Uh, I think the, the, we haven't uh, determined a, a concrete solution uh, to help us do this, but we've demoed several of them. And it was eye-opening to see the amount of devices that were on our network. We, uh, you know, we were really taken back by that. And especially we, we discovered some that were on our unsecure network. And so, uh, we had to immediately go out and remediate that. But I think that, you know, with a large organization, it's really hard to keep your finger on that pulse all the time. And you need a solution to be able to see into that area. Right. And to, to see the things that get put on, get purchased, get attached to the network with without you knowing about it, you need some mechanism for finding them. And that's what Tamara's talking about those technologies yeah, that help you do that. And he's talking about doing it in a very thorough way. Uh, right. And I guess there are methodologies or ways that are less thorough where you're really not getting a complete picture. Tamar, how complete a picture do you think you can get with those two other methods? I mean, do you feel like you get a hundred percent or is that just not, not possible? Is that? No, it's, it, you know, legal will always say, well, you can never claim a hundred percent, but, but I'll tell you, it's, it's 100%. We, I mean, if you're employing all the methods, you're not going to have the blind spots um, unless you're, you're really falling down on, you know, not including parts of your network yourself for some reason. You can really get that complete picture. But 
I want to add to it. It's not just the discovery of these things, right? Because discovery alone isn't enough. Having another widget is not enough. Having another dashboard is not enough. It's got to be actionable. It's got to be things that you can you can actually do something with and take, do something with it and do something about it. And even more importantly, automate it. So to Steve's point, when you were talking about the multi-vendor approach, it's 100% a multi-vendor approach, this security practice that we're talking about here. But what makes it more powerful is when you automate the processes between all these vendors to make sure that these flow naturally across these the different systems there. And Tim, are, are we talking about like a snapshot in time where it, you need to update it at certain intervals? Or is it once you get these technologies in place, you get continuous monitoring and alerting of anything else that comes on the network? It has to be continuous in real time because if you're doing snapshots, the moment the snapshot is done, your network's already changed five minutes later. So it's got to be a continuously monitoring effort. All right. Very good. Let's go to our next question. Steve, let's start with you. How are you securing your unagentable IOMT devices? How are you testing that security? How are you handling patch management, which you touched on before? And we know there can be challenges with these medical devices. Either there aren't patches or somehow the patches are in conflict with the manufacturer or the warranty and, and these type of things. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, it's an interesting journey. And I stress that word because I, I do see it as a journey. Um, in some ways, this is new technology. It's different. In other ways, it reminds me dating myself somewhat, but of the older days in IT, where we were learning how to build controls in the environment. And a lot of those traditional controls still apply, although they may not be applied the same way. So what we're doing, obviously segmentation at a network level, I believe is an important one. Uh, Things like vulnerability assessment, but as a point was made earlier, you sure need to be careful about doing vulnerability assessment on something that potentially could be uh, connected to a patient or obviously business critical. So coming up with a way to vulnerability test safely, i.e. having devices offline in a lab or something and not testing all of them, but maybe a subset or whatever. Um, I also th feel strongly that, at least for now, the answer here is at the network layer uh, with the things we're talking about. You know, the device uh, discovery, critical part, uh, the threat detection. And then a third part that we're seeing that uh, was sort of unanticipated from a security standpoint is from a data analytics, we have the uh, clinical side very interested in what we're seeing with these devices. For example, uh, why is a certain device not getting used as much as other devices, the same kind being put into use? Is there something wrong with that device? Or is there something about the other device that's more uh, desirable as far as function that the uh, clinicians are using it for that purpose? So, we're we're on a journey to basically, I keep bringing it up, but uh, design, security design in depth 
what are, can we put around these devices to protect them, including questioning at times, does it really need to be network connected? And there are cases where they actually do not, at least in our business. And then the physical security, beginning to do some work with locking down the USB ports. Uh, there's some good solutions out there arising on that. So it's a host of solutions. There's nothing I could cover you know, without getting into a lot of detail. There is mm -hmm. no, as I said earlier, a silver bullet for this in my mind at this time. Right, right. John? I have to agree with Steve. Uh, you know, we use published FDA vulnerability recall tools to compare against our inventory list. And we also work with our different uh, departments, uh, Biomed and our SysOps team, and try to ensure that, you know, these devices are up to date and best to the best of our ability. Uh, sometimes the devices are managed by vendors that, you know, we have to work with and possibly replace. So it's a it's a challenge. It's a it's a full time job just trying to get your head wrapped around all these devices and keep them, uh, you know, patched and, uh, you know, in a in a place of being safe. You said ma they're managed by vendors. What do you mean by that? Well, we have a lot of vendors that uh, bring devices in that we work with. And, you know, maybe the operating room or something that they will, you know, have certain devices that come in and they, you know, the doctors use them for, uh, you know, recording or I don't know. There's a there's a, a several different things that, you know, come to mind. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a you know, there's a lot of devices out there that connect to the, you know, our network that are, I guess you just wouldn't imagine, you know. Right. Yep. Very good. Temer. Yeah, so um, I have a couple of things that I was wanting to talk about as I hear you guys speak. Um, we're focused right now on the IOMT devices in this discussion right here, but uh, the the real element that, that I want to call out is that if we're just looking at securing IOMT, when we look at all the different threats that, that are actually attacking us today in the hospital system world or any HDO world, um, we're finding that these threats and these attacks are coming in outside the IOMT space and then moving laterally to it, right? So these threats come in from different angles, different spots. It could be an IP camera, it could be somebody clicking a link on their you know, nurse's laptop, whatever it may be, but they move laterally and hit the IOMT devices at some point. Uh, because what we're finding is that, for example, ransomware isn't just about data encryption anymore. They're also taking it to multiple stages where they're gonna encrypt your data DDoS your health systems, the actual medical IoT devices, right, and bring those systems down to encourage you to pay that ransom more, uh, and then also exfilling data, uh, which is another big component of of what we're doing to try and protect that data. So when we consider that bigger picture of things, if I'm just laser focusing on IOMT only, that's already by the time that attack reaches that, I'm already at step seven in that attack, far too late. So we, we provide that bigger picture across both the IT traditional and IOMT in that unified picture view for you. And we do offer, to your earlier point, Steve, the vulnerability assessment can come without actually having to scan it, right? Because we can match the exact vendor firmware model to the CVEs that those have. So you, you can do it in a passive way that's safe. One of the two dozen methods that we talk about, right, is a passive method that we need to handle there. And we all understand, to your point, John, Patch management is not the, the always the answer, right? Many times you're never going to get something patched because it's just end of life. And we have to have legacy stuff on these networks. It's just 
the matter, the nature of business, right? Other times you can't control the patch management and you're waiting months for another vendor to come in. So this is where, to your point, Steve, now is you wrap a bubble a bubble wrap around these things. You put them in a segment where they can't be exploited. Yeah, maybe it's vulnerable, but is it the, there is no risk to that vulnerability if it can't be exploited. And that's where we can also come in and do the segmentation piece, actively be able to segment them especially when things are getting added to your network without you knowing about it. We're still able to, to do that segmentation and put them in the right buckets there. Well, how do you get it in the right bucket if you don't know about it, right? I mean, you have to know it exists and then put it in the bucket. So what are your thoughts there, Timmer? Yeah, so when it comes to that, there's there's two things that we, we provide. First and foremost, we have to do this in a way that's non-disruptive. Uh, because we can't disrupt patient care, we can't disrupt the business in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so what we offer is the ability to see all the traffic flows of how things are communicating today with all these different types of devices. And once we've mapped out, well, these are the, these device types speak to these other device types, or these device types go into my data center, or some of them have to communicate to the internet, or whatever it may be, we show you all the traffic flows and give you the ability to write segmentation rules and simulate them as if you were going to turn them on. And then you can watch it for a month. And as new devices get joined, you can see if there's any violations to the way that you would have segmented these things. And if not, then we can turn on the actual controls right within the same platform and be able to do the segmentation and, and continuously monitor that. But more often, what we find is that all these devices that are on your networks that we're talking about, the communication's undocumented. So you may document and write in there how things should communicate and you write your policies and we're going to see all the violations. Like why is it communicating this way? And then you realize it's just undocumented communication that's supposed to happen, but this way we can clean all that up before you cause any disruption. But that way it's also continuously monitored. Anthony to your, your, your question is uh, how do you do it? If you don't know about it? Well, first we discovered as soon as it connects to the network, we assess it to understand exactly what that is. And then we drop it in the right bucket based off of the rules that we've done all this planning for. We just make the planning easier because we give you all the information up front instead of you trying to create the policies and understanding how to write those segmentation rules. Steve, thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, sitting here listening, Tamara and nodding my head. I really like his point and really agree with the idea. Having taken this journey, you know, there's a lot of emphasis about there's some very good, solid threat detection tools specific to IOMT on the market. Excellent products. But I agree with Tamara from the standpoint of I'm concerned about the enterprise as a whole. And I want to know, I want the big picture, what's going on there. And so the way we're approaching it is more of enterprise from a threat detection perspective, device or IOMT environment specific to a device identification and call it a configuration management perspective in analytics data. So really we get the best of two worlds. There's a little bit more cost with it, but the tools designed for IOMT specifically are very good at identifying devices and a lot of information about those devices. But we, again, look from a threat perspective, I want to know lateral movement as it occurs, as Tamara said, is it moving from a server into an IOMT uh, uh, segment? So that's kind of how we've approached it. I don't, 
I don't like the idea of having a specific solution in an IOMT environment relative to network threat. That's merely my opinion, but I do agree with his thoughts. John, it sounds like uh, the idea here is you get lost, you can't see the forest for the trees type thing, then we don't want to do that because right. there's a lot of talk around IOMT medical devices. And I guess the danger is just zeroing in on that, perhaps to the exclusion of a bigger picture, especially at the CISO level. What are your right. thoughts? Absolutely. It's a portion of what we do every day. And so uh, you have to, uh, you know, work with, you know, third parties, I think, to be able to leverage the solutions and be able to use those solutions in a manner that is efficient with your time and your team's time. Uh, you know, we have to uh, create these relationships. And, you know, I think for us, you know, we've been on this journey as has been has been mentioned before for about a year and a half now, maybe two years, trying to discover the best solution that we're going to uh, go with. And it's a it's been a very enlightening journey to see the devices that are on the network. You know, like I said earlier, on the secure network and also on the unsecure network and just to get a pulse of what's going on, it's a, uh, you know, it's, I, it's, it's mind boggling, I think. And, you know, taking that information back to the uh, C-suite and sharing with them, it was really eye-opening and that uh, it helps with uh, providing them real life examples to, to help us fund projects like that. Um, you know, these, these solutions aren't very cheap. And so you have to, for us, I know, we have to plan for those in advance. And so we have to go through and do our due diligence to research and, you know, discover what is going to be the best for our uh, environment. Steve, what's the level of support these days for uh, controls and the things you're trying to do? I know you try to not uh, get in the way, let's say, of operations and patient care and all that. There's sometimes you have to. Uh, into you know you have to create processes that perhaps slow people down a little bit. What where's I would imagine the level of support is pretty high for you doing what you need to do, and ransomware in a sense has helped that it's brought things uh, you know up many levels. Uh, but what's the appetite for letting you do what you need to do these days? Well, it's an interesting thought. It uh, it's 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 twofold. One is yes, we get more support a lot more nodding of heads in the boardroom <laughs> and, and senior leadership. And when I say that, it's not just about money, but yes, I understand what you're saying. I understand the risk much better than I did. Uh, on the other side of that is, well, you're security people and it's your job to figure these things out because we still have to move fast. Innovation's critical. And so, you know, again, it's, Yes, you made us aware of the risk. We really appreciate that. Thank you. Now your job is to help address that. What's your plan? Um, and so in mm -hmm. some ways it's helped. In some ways it's raised the stress level a bit. Right, right. Because we're going forward. We're just we're just being a courteous and telling you that you need to make sure this stuff is secure. Now we'll talk to you later and get it yeah, done. We understand if you need money, we, we sort of get that. But yes, get it done. Nothing's right. changed in that regard. Right, right, right. John, what are your thoughts? I agree 100%. Uh, you know, I have the full support of my board and it's exciting, but we have to plan. You know, we have to budget things. And so uh, it's my job to give them relevant information uh, 
and you know, work with the uh, constraints we're under to you know plan for you know, major purchases like this. And Tim, you talk to a lot of customers, potential customers, um, when you speak to the CISOs at healthcare organizations. What do you hear as some of the main things they're struggling with? That that there is it a, a leadership level stuff, dealing with the board, dealing with the rest of the season, getting buy-in, or is it more of the technical stuff of actually rolling things out and and getting these processes in place? I'd say it's it's both, but I would add one more thing too, and that the third thing that I see is is working with those biomed clinical teams as well. Um, that's another, in some places, adversarial type of world in other places, not so much, thankfully, um, because, you know, traditionally and historically they got to do whatever they wanted, but now because of all the increased attacks and threats and risks, now they've got to put a security hat on and quite often they're not used to that. And they're not used to having the, they, you know, instead of buying what they want, when they want, doing what they want with it, now they have to either themselves secure it or have uh, John or Steve, on, uh, you know, breathing down the necks on how they're going to secure it for them. Um, so that's another challenge that I've seen that's that's becoming a lot more pro, uh, proliferate. Um, some of the things that I've seen, though, if we elevate the conversations uh, to what you guys were speaking to earlier, to the board level conversations or even CFO level conversations, what we've found also worked for us, uh, us being the vendor, right, is that we found uh, customers of ours be, by employing our, our technology across the entire enterprise and, and actually reducing the, the risk and re- making that threat landscape smaller because, again, it's not just a, wi- a widget and a dashboard. It actually does the actions, too. Um, they've lowered their cybersecurity insurance premiums by more than what it costs us annually, for example. So we've seen other ways that you can have conversations with board and and CFO types to get the funding you need by demonstrating, look, we can lower insurance premiums on our cyber insurance if you've got it. Um, We can also do what we talked about earlier with Steve, which is some of the automation between these tools saving those, those, you know, getting ROI on the manpower and, or, or human capital hours that you're spending, we're all short-staffed. And this is another way to alleviate the short staff pains by implementing some of this automation. So these are some of the conversations that I have at the higher levels that we're talking about today. All right, very good. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about inventory, uh, which was just touched on. Again, one of the greatest challenges is obtaining and maintaining accurate inventory what is your ad- advice on that? So Tamara talked about his solutions that are constantly scanning the network, uh, looking for the devices, uh, and then giving you automated solutions to maybe some AI to, to do things around that. Um, and then we t- let's talk a little bit more about the shadow or gray IT. Um, you know, Steve, you talked about, uh, you know, we talked about the concept of uh, not slowing people down, but if we're centralizing purchasing, and we're taking that power away from certain departments. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes, well, I used to be able to just buy it. And now it's, well, once it hits uh, the department where the spend gets released, they say, no, I'm sorry, you need sign off from security on this. And they say, what? So they're not happy. Is that one of the areas where, unfortunately, security does need to put a, a speed bump on someone's processes and then do you have to work through any complaints that come back about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a worry. Uh, 
but we've done a lot of speaking of technology solutions. And to me, part of the security and design involves process, and I would call it governance or Mm -hmm. organizational discipline. And we often carry the torch, so to speak, that this isn't about just an information breach or um, a potential delay of a service. This can be a patient safety concern. And that, that people begin to understand that's critical. And so, for example, not to say, you know, it happens, although it probably does. Someone just brings a device in and plugs it into the network. Uh, you're putting the organization at risk. Uh, the same as you would in the physical world if you shut off a uh, fire detection system in a building. Um, you know, and that's part of the discipline we have is, you know, in the culture, you just don't do things like that because you're putting patients at risk. And that, again, is part of patient care, certainly. So there's a discipline side to that. But I also agree that you can't be naive and say just a policy is going to save you. I think, as Tamara and John pointed out, we have to be looking at these technologies. And to the point earlier, it doesn't change daily. As the point was made, it changes continuous. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to get there without automation. So that's that's my two cents at it. That's that's worth every penny you gave me with that two cents. (laughs) No, that was good. That was really good. John, John, what are your thoughts? I have two thoughts on that. One of the things that I implemented, you know, several years ago was I created a email distribution list. And also we use a workplace and we send out weekly security updates. And this is just a five, you know, uh, uh, topics, five highlights of what's going on out in the world right now, dealing with cybersecurity and whether it be a, a, a breach from a, some kind of a ransomware or whatever. Uh, and so I pop, I send that out weekly to our, uh, you know, this uh, distribution list. And so what I try to do is keep this in the forefront of everyone's mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm continually adding people to my list to communicate with. So in turn, what happens, they see that and they read it and it's a very short uh, blurb about what's going on and they, they keep it in their mind. And so when things come up, and, you know, they're start, you know, wondering about technology and wondering about ransomware, you know, they, I hope that it helps them to, uh, when we start coming to them and saying, hey, we need to do a security review on this particular solution you're requesting to purchase, then they understand that there's a reason behind it, because they've already seen so many uh, different articles and news articles about what's going on out at other places. And so, uh, you know, for us, you know, that, uh, security review has been just so critical to change in our culture. And it, at first it was a little bit difficult when we rolled it out, but now it's, uh, just, you know, normal daily business that we do. And so we don't get as much resistance now as we used to. And I think that coupled with good communication and working with, uh, our different, uh, internal components, it has been a, uh, a good relationship. It's built a good relationship for the security team. And, you know, we've had good success with it at our, at our hospital. Some, some great points, Timmer. And it made me think that 
no matter how much money you spend on technology, no matter what tools, no matter how many systems, you can't overcome a bad security culture, right? right? So if you're if you have a bad culture, meaning that people don't care because you haven't told them why they should care, right? right? You haven't communicated that. Um, you can't overcome that. You you will right. lose. Right. If people are clicking on everything and plugging stuff in whenever they want and buying stuff left and right. And the news, you know, we hear about these tragedies in the news is one hospital being sued uh, about a baby that died. Uh, They thought the care was not optimal because the systems were down due to a ransomware event. We don't know how that'll play out, but CISOs and security people can uh, I, I hate to use the word, but they can leverage that to try and communicate the seriousness as Steve, as you mentioned, patient care. Well, you're just saying it because you're in security. No, look at this lawsuit. Look what's going on. So you need to care. If you get people to care and you put in all the tools and defense in depth and all the other things, then you got a shot. Does that make sense? It's worked for us very well and we've had good success with it. That's that's brilliant, John. I, I, I was going to ask you about how you transitioned to be able to do that. And you, you answered it before I asked. But I think it's if you look at it, just like any other advertising and marketing campaigns, we get hit with all the, all day, every day with people trying to advertise their soda products or whatever it is. You're doing the same thing internally. That's a, that's the right. thing that came to my mind is immediately it's like a repetitive you throw it in your face every single day and your users will or the other teams will start understanding why you're here doing your job is to prevent that poor little girl from dying from a ransomware attack right that's 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 brilliant yeah steve do you ever uh, do do you do you or do you think any cso's benefit from going down to to speak to marketing and saying hey you guys do marketing uh how about give me some advice on internally marketing what we need to do from a security point of view to our organization well, that's a good question. It opens up a bit of a box uh, from my perspective. A couple years ago, I did bring on a uh, what I titled a cyber communication specialist. And this individual had very little cyber expertise, but he definitely had a lot of experience in marketing and communications. And he is our full-time communications and marketing person on staff. And he certainly earns his money. He has helped us tremendously in getting the word out. Um, He's added an element of fun within the organization to cybersecurity, which I give him a lot of credit for. Um, And he has basically become our our front man, our, our liaison to the rest of the enterprise. So that, that's been a, a, a good investment, uh, kind of an experiment on my part, but it really paid off. So short answer is yes, it's critical. Yeah, but security is a business, just like anything else. You need a marketing division. Yeah, you got to sell it. You need cooperation, right? Uh, yep. I, I think ahead, uh, I'm, here's my ask to co-panelists, I guess, real quick. Oh, look, you're, <laughs> you look, at, look at you and I just changed the slide. <laughs> I mean, Steve, if this guy knows how to make cybersecurity fun, <laughs> I kind of want to connect offline to understand the types of things that he can do to help other organizations, because I think what you're what he's doing is making cybersecurity fun to understand uh, cybersecurity for the, the entire hospital organization, I'm assuming, meaning like everybody that works there is responsible for security. We all know this. Everybody can click an email link 
which will bring down the entire organization. So if you've got a, a nice way that you're able to educate your customer, well, I'll call it customers. It's the hospital system. Mm-hmm. All your, everybody on your network is your customer. Yeah. And you're getting them on board with being smart minded. I think that's a great strategy that would be worth sharing with your peers. Uh, And I'd be happy to take that message to the folks that I speak with as well. So, yeah, love to talk about it. We're just uh, finishing up on our uh, fishing derby, fishing with a pH, Ah. uh, which has been going on for the month. And uh, at the end, someone's going to uh, win a nice fishing pole and tackle and things like that. So (laughs) that's one example. It's fun. I just want to clarify why I left because we were talking about actual fishing before the webinar started. <laughs> so we got to keep it straight. <laughs> All right. Very good. Um, let's. Um, so Temer asked his question uh, and let's go to our next ask a co-panel. John, do you have a question for one or both of your co-panelists? Can I step back and ask, ask uh, share one experience I have with, uh, taking care of our customers internally. We uh, uh, do a, uh, we call them rounds. And so several people at the hospital get together and they go through different parts of the hospital on a schedule. And throughout the year, they visit locations twice a year and they help prepare the units for joint commission. And so uh, when we stood up our security team, we asked if we could join that rounds and go and visit the internal facility as well as the offsite locations. And so what that did, that gave us a opportunity to go into the offices where everyone is working, you know, at least twice a year and meet with them and talk to them. And so we get a few minutes to tell them about what we're doing in security and it gives them a a name with a face when they reach out and need help from the security team. And so we've had very good success with that, with getting out of our office and going and visiting these uh, locations and talking to people about what we're doing. And so what we try to do is share with them uh, current uh, things we're working on, any solutions we're working on, and ask them if they have any questions or concerns. And, and you know, we've had great success with that as well. And so I think anytime you can get in front of the customer and talk to them and meet them physically, it's always a good thing. Emmer, any comment on that? Any thought? Yeah, I, I think that's great. Um, that's obviously something that uh, putting a face to the name, I think, helps tremendously. I, I mean, again, brilliant. The, if you're keeping people cyber aware by constantly touching them, that that's what's going to help. Because as you said earlier, Anthony, as everybody's been mentioning, you can have the best cyber program running on the market, but you just can't. It won't mean anything if your your constituents, if your customers are all poor with their cyber hygiene themselves. So mm-hmm. it's great. Well, every single employee is part of the security team. Steve, anything, anything comment there? I fully agree with all of it. Uh, you know, it, it, it is a, it is a, a team effort and the teams made up of everyone in the organization uh, fighting the battle as I see it. And so we're all, you know, we all have a critical part in that, no matter what your role is in the organization. So. Well, they, they also say a team is only as strong as its weakest link. So, uh, John, um, you know, we all like to be happy and, and loving in healthcare and hug and hold hands. Um, does that ever end with someone who has continually shown that they cannot uh, follow proper sober hygiene? 
I mean, we, we do we get to the point where uh, people need to part company at some point? Hmm. I think that, you know, I think everybody comes to work to do a good job. Everyone comes to work to be successful. And so often when people are being unsuccessful, there's a reason for that, that, you know, we work with the manager or work with HR on and try to figure out a solution for that. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend like everything's butterflies and rainbows, but, you know, majority of people want to be successful. And so we just have to help them figure out, you know, how to overcome that. Steve, I know everything in your world is butterflies and rainbows. <laughs> it's all a matter of perspective, right? Well, uh, where, do you, where do you come down on it? I mean, do you have a point at which you say, hey, I just can't have this risk exposure anymore? Well, that's an interesting way of saying it because I, I, right or wrong, I don't come down on it. I see that as a business decision. I provide the data, I provide the advice, but you know how the organization manages their uh, people. That's other than my own group. That's not my call. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say our organization is getting tired of repeat offenders we do Mm -hmm. a lot of friendly fishing but i'm not i'm not leading the charge on that i'm just providing the data and so that's my thoughts on it yeah Tamar, any thoughts around that Uh, no i think i think steve's spot on on that one but i i did want to pivot it slightly to more instead of talking all the customers or everybody in the organization, I do want to get an understanding a little bit of what I talked about earlier, which is this, this convergence of the IT and security teams and the biomed clinical teams. If you can describe what, what that looks like in your organizations for me in the sense that are you guys converging? I've seen some organizations actually, actually converge the organizations where they do report in that way now and other organizations where it's, it's, the biomed clinical teams are doing their own security, but they're at least being enforced. And other times it's where the security team is now taking on security for that. So can you describe where you're at, what you've seen, but with your peers in that sense, in this convergence and notion, John, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, We have a great relationship with our biomed department. They're not part of our, uh, you know, UT medical center, but we work very closely with them. And uh, as we've been through our journey, looking at IOT management, you know, they've been part of that decision. You know, I want their input and I want to work closely with them in the future. Uh, that's one thing that the, uh, the CIO, Microsoft, that I report to encourages is, you know, going back to the previous topic about, you know, coming down on people that make mistakes. You know, we, we need to focus on the positive things and not, I think, focus on somebody who is the offender. If people uh, react differently to things like that, and I think that if you promote the positive and show recognition when people are successful, people are envious of that a little bit and they want to strive for that. And so they're going to step their game up. And so, but tying us back to the biomed department, we want to have a good relationship with our biomed crew and work closely with them because we're in the same building. You know, we work together and we, we work on the same you know, uh, uh, solutions here. We work on the same pieces of gear. And so it's a, it's real important to have that good relationship with our counterparts and work closer with them and include them in on, uh, as much as we can. Steve. 
Yeah, we do it. Uh, we're all separate from the standpoint of uh, cybersecurity and information security at Geisinger is a department that's separate from IT and uh, clinical engineering. And there's no real interest in consolidating those groups. Uh, one of the reasons is from a security standpoint, my department's responsible for enterprise, but we, we are expected and should be expected to collaborate and work together with our cohorts to implement security. Yes, it does lead to some uh, contention sometimes, but I, I'll argue it's healthy. We also, as a group, laugh sometimes we're like families and sometimes we fight, sometimes we're all in it together. It, it, it's a pretty, uh, pretty solid relationship. But my stance is I think it's critical that you do have some separation there so that you can, um, you, know, you know, you get different forces to weigh into the final decision. All right, very good. Let's go get our uh, lightning round of uh, final thoughts. Um, John, let's start with you. Your final advice to uh, picture a CISO colleague on the line today, uh, you know, struggling a little bit with some of the things we've talked about. What's your final parting piece of advice? I would say you take one step at a time. Go slow and spend your time ingesting the solutions and working with the proof of concepts to make sure these solutions are best for you. You know, work within the constraints you have. All right, uh, Steve. Yeah, along the uh, same lines, agree with John. It's, it's a journey uh, and that's how you have to view it. Um, to his point, we call it crawl, walk, run as mm -hmm. we approach things. And uh, that's that's the way we do it. You, you get ahead, not by trying to take it on all at once, but continuing to work away at it and uh, carve it out to what you want. Very good. Temer? For me, I think the step one has always got to be a complete visibility of it all, though, because any plans that you're going to make, any security, any policy, anything that you're trying to do, if you don't have that complete picture across the entire enterprise, you're already behind. I mean, that's that's got to be the foundational step one. But second to that is anything that you are looking to do has to be more than another dashboard and widget. You have to have something that's going to be actionable, automated, and actually do work for you as well. Because we don't have the time or manpower or human capital to, to do it all. So that, that's the, the two biggest things that I would offer as advice here to, to look into. All right. Well, that's about all we had time for today. Regarding continuing education, you can use the final slide in this deck. You'll receive an email when the on-demand recording of this event is ready for viewing. If you want to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team, and you can go to our website to register for upcoming webinars. With that, I want to thank our tremendous panel, Steve Dunkel, John Jeffries, and Tamar Baker. I want to thank Scout for sponsoring today and our attendees for joining. And with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.